Sure, we can say we want to love God and we want to love others, but let me take care of me first is how we tend to do it. And John's going to talk about all of that coming up because this whole focus is on this new commandment of love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love others as you love yourself. He even identified, Jesus identifies that we love ourselves. So love others that same way. I'm not always happy with what I do, not always pleased with the choices I make, but I never stop loving me. Somebody might make you mad, might hurt your feelings, might upset you. Don't stop loving them. You don't have to love what they do to love them. Every parent knows that when they discipline a child. Never understood the words of my father when he said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. As a child looking at him, I thought he was crazy. You're not the one getting hit. <laughs> you can still sit down. <laughs> but as a parent, I understand what he meant. So we don't want to discipline our children because we love them so much. But we know sometimes we have to because we're not pleased with the actions that they've done. God was that same way. He didn't want to send his son to die for us. He wanted us to do right from the beginning. But he had to because he wasn't pleased with the actions we were doing. And a price had to be So John, verses 7, I'm going to go 7 through 11. It says, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new commandment that is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Verse 9, whoever says, I am in the light, while hating a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light, and in such a person there is no cause for stumbling. Okay. Now we need the light. Now we need the light back. Thank you. Thank you, God. But whoever hates another believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go because the darkness has brought on blindness. See, John tells us exactly what Christ's new command is there and that it was with us all along. That we are to love one another because if we don't love one another, then are we truly in Christ? And the answer is simple, no. See, so many people who call themselves Christians, they go to church every Sunday, every time the doors are open, they're in there, they do stuff in the community, everything about them looks good, but they find all their pleasure and all their joy in gossiping and holding back others and hurting them and betraying them and, 
who, how can I use this relationship to get to the next level, or how can I do this to do that? They're not truly loving one another. Because if they were truly loving one another, it would be, how can I serve that person today? What person needs me today? How can I further God's kingdom by spreading his word today? How can I love somebody? No matter what I'm doing, yes, I may have to have a job to pay my bills, but that's what that can be. It's just a job to pay the bills. But while I'm there, I can talk to people about Jesus. I can help those who aren't quite getting it and teach them and help them grow and be stronger. And not for my own sake, but for theirs so that they can be better at this job also. And I can talk to them about Jesus. And not enough of us take the opportunity to do that. John points that out so plainly and so plainly that whoever hates another believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go. The Bible tells us what the way is. The way is Jesus. He says it himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. So if you're walking in the darkness, you don't know the way. If you're acting against your brothers or sisters in Christ, you don't know the way. And there's so many people who will call some of our actions that are acts of love, acts of hate, because it hurts their feelings. I don't know about you, but Mama had to hurt my feelings, among other things, sometimes to show me she loved me. Because the truth hurts sometimes. I heard a little more when it comes from Grandma. But no matter how much it hurt, I knew that she loved me. No matter how much it hurt, I knew my daddy loved me. No matter how much it hurts, I know my wife and my children love me when they tell me the truth. The one who tells you what you want to hear so that it's pleasing to your ears is the one who doesn't love you. That's contrary to what the way we want to live as humans. We need to show real love for each other. We can be compassionate in our discipline sometimes. And we, we can give them the, the truth in a way that may not exactly hurt their feelings, but they know it's the truth where you have those weird, awkward conversations. Sometimes it's better just to make them cry. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Get that good cry out. That might not talk to you for a year or two. Then in the long run, you know that you love them and they still love you. John goes on from there. And in three verses, he addresses his audience. Now, how many times do you hear stuff like that and you're like, oh, he's not talking to me? Well, John clarifies that real quick. I'm talking to you, whoever can hear me. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know 
him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young people because you have conquered the evil one. I'm writing to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young people because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. He didn't leave out any of his audience. When you talk to a father in this time period, you talk to the whole family. Some people are like, oh, he's not talking to women. Yeah, he is. Because when you talk to a father, you talk to the whole family. And if you don't think that's true, go back and look. When Peter and Silas were in prison, and they saved the guard from killing himself, and they talked to him about Jesus, and they baptized him, and he was saved, and his whole house was saved because of him. When you talk to a father, and that's why core families are so important. When you talk to a father, you talk to a whole family. When you talk to whoever's over the family, it could be a mother, it can be a grandmother, it can be a grandfather, it can be a father. You talk to the head of that house, you're talking to the entire family. And that's what John was doing here, is he's saying, fathers and children, listen. Because that's the ones who tend to be, oh, he's just talking to my daddy. No, you, you too, listen. Young and old, all generations, all the people who are li listening, you know the truth. You have heard his name. You have seen his actions. You know what he has done for you. You know what's going on. You're the ones I'm writing to. Right, if I was writing to the rest of the world, it'd do no good because they don't know him, so they don't know love. If I write to the world who doesn't know him, who doesn't know what Jesus done, who doesn't know who Jesus is, it's not going to do any good because there it's going to go in one ear and out the other. They're in the world and they're going to live according to the world. You who are called by his name, you who have already come to him and know him, listen. You're the ones that I'm writing to. And John made a point in three verses. Let me, let me call out everybody I'm talking to so that you know I'm not overlooking you. I'm talking to all of you. In verse 15 he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride and riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. He warns us against being world-oriented. How often do Christians go, yes, I want to serve God, but I need, I need to make sure I'm doing something good in the world. You know what? If you're really serving God and you're spreading the word, you're doing something good in the world. But that shouldn't be your focus in the world. That should be your focus in God. Think about it. How many of y'all heard that old story of the boy on the beach picking up the starfish throwing them back in the ocean? The man comes by and says, what's the point? You can't save them all. And he grabs the next one and he flings it as hard as he could. And he says, but I saved that one. 
That's what the difference is in being focused on the world and focused on God. So if he was focused on the world, he'd be like, I've got to save as many as possible. I've got to try and save all of them. I need to be focused on this beach and getting it clear. But if you're focused on God, if you save one, you don't know the impact that it's going to have. That one starfish can now reproduce and have a multitude of starfishes. When you focus on God, even if you only bring one person to know Christ, you have served Him wholeheartedly. Because that one person could be the next evangelist that leads thousands. Jesus preached to multitudes. He chose 12 for his inner circle. And he chose three to be his innermost circle. Three. And from that little circle around him, everything else grew. From those women that were helping to serve during those meetings, everything grew. A lot of people don't want to talk about it. Who was the first evangelist? It was Mary Magdalene. She was the first person who got to tell about the risen Savior. She's the one who went and told the disciples, He's risen. I seen him and he talked to me. That's the first act of evangelism from the least likely of people in that society. Sometimes from the least likely of people in this society. God does things different than we will ever understand. And he does. Be God focused in your actions. You'll serve him more than you'll ever serve the world. Yes, we, we need to change the world because we need to change the world to God as much as possible, but we can't be focused on how many people can I reach. We should be focused on reaching the next one in front of us. God, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? I need you to talk to this guy. Oh, but I could go over here and reach 10. I need you to talk to this guy. But I could go over there and reach 100. I need you to talk to this guy. Because if you go over there and talk to a hundred and one comes out of it who does nothing, or you go over here and talk to this one that God sent you to and he starts a church, which really had the bigger impact. Don't be world focused. Listen to God. John doesn't stop there. He spent just a couple of verses, a few verses there talking about against the world. But then he warned us of an even bigger danger. One so much he took 11 verses to tell us. This huge paragraph, verses 18 through 28. John warns us about those who've heard the word of God and are going to work against it. 
we have a word for them. We call them Antichrist. A lot of people say, oh, there's one Antichrist coming. Oh, there's been a bunch. Know several people who have left the church and it's made it their mission to bring the church down because somebody let them down in the church and they blame God. Unfortunately, you probably won't ever get that person back. John warns about. He says, Children, it is the last hour. As you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many antichrists have come. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, which means that they were in with us. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But by going out, they made it plain that none of them belonged to us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and now you have knowledge. Do you see that switch? Those who have stayed, those who are still in the body of Christ, you are anointed by the Holy One and have knowledge. Those who have left and went out, you're the one in line to oppose them. You have the knowledge. You are anointed. says, I write to you, in verse 21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And you know that no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. The one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Everyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If you heard from the beginning, if you if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He has promised us eternal life. I'm going to pause right there. Did you hear the description there? Who is the liar but the one who denies Jesus is the Christ? says the one who denies the Father and the Son is the Antichrist. No one who denies the Son has the Father. And everyone who confesses the Son has the Father. So let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. He's not talking about from the beginning of the church. He's talking about from the beginning of time. God has been in work this whole time to bring Christ Let that abide in you. Christ has come because God made it so. God made the way for our salvation so that we could be in heaven with him. If that abides in you, then you are with the Father because you're going to act on that. You're going to work with that. You're going to take that to other people and lead them to Christ. The description listed here reminds me of one person in history. And I usually don't do that, but I feel like I have to. That one person in history. It reminds me of a lot of people, but there's one person popping in my mind right now. 
around 700 AD. Left the Christian church because he wasn't getting the teaching he thought he should get. Got mad at the Jewish people because they weren't accepting him for who he was. So he created a third Adriatic religion that denies Christ as Savior, says he is nothing more than a good prophet, and has led war after war after war against Christian people and Jewish people, and today that religion is attacking Jewish people in Israel. Since 700 A.D., there has not been peace over there. Because one man got hurt by people and denied Christ. Put himself on such a high pedestal that the religion today sees him as the supreme prophet. Yet his bones are still buried. He isn't risen. Christ is risen. watching a guy on YouTube one time and he was talking about why he chose Christianity. He said he studied everything else and in Buddhism they said Christ is a way. In Hinduism they said Christ is a way. In Islam they said Christ is a way. In Judaism they said ah, he could have been. But he said it was amazing to me that all these other religions keep pointing to Christ and saying he is a way and Christianity says Christ is the way, maybe I ought to go with the one who's saying, yeah, they're pointing to me and so am I. And he got to studying it and nothing else was like it. I'm like, he's got a point. They're all saying he's a way. And Jesus says, I'm the way. And I'd like to narrow some things down, so I'm going with the way. I like the way he thought. I come to Christianity because when I prayed to Christ, he spoke back. I ain't never heard from nobody else. That makes sense. That makes a big difference. John continues in verse 26. He says, I write these things to you concerning those who would deceive you. As for you, the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and so you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he is revealed, we may have confidence and not be put to shame before him at his coming. He's saying, let the word of God teach you. Grow in it. It's one thing I've learned in my 42 years is I don't stop learning. <laughs> if 
you stop learning, then you've stopped living. Grow in Christ every single day. Read His Scripture. Study His Word. Let it abide in you so that you can abide in Him. And then verse 29, carrying on over into chapter 3. John identifies God's children. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go back and break it down into a few little parts real quick. It says, if you, in verse 29 of chapter 2, it says, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who does right has been born of him. Verse 1 of chapter 3 says, See that, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. In verse 4, everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Everyone who commits sin is a child of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born of God do not sin, because God... God's seed abides in them. They cannot sin because they have been born of God. The children of God and the children of the devil are revealed in this way. All who do, do not do what is right are not from God, nor are those who do not love their brothers and sisters. I'll break this down just a little bit. One, the world does not know us because it doesn't know him. I may feel like you aren't seen in the world sometimes when you're doing God's work, right? It's because they don't know what they're looking at because they don't know Him. They're lost. They're broken. When they start to recognize what you're doing, that's when you have a real foot in the door to start talking to them about Jesus because then they're going to be receptive. They're going to start coming through that door, coming through that crack a little bit into the light so that they can learn about Jesus and get to know Him. Then they'll realize, wait, I've seen you, but I haven't known you. And now I don't even know those people over there. There was a point, I don't know exactly when it happened, but that happened in my life. I, I stopped hanging out with certain people because I wasn't a part of what they were doing anymore. It seems like it faded away. But then when you look around, you realize you're with different people who know and love Jesus. 
more I get into Jesus' word, the more I get into doing stuff for Jesus, the more I find myself around people who are doing stuff for Jesus. Then John also points out that those who commit sin are lawless, are lawless and without God. He also notates on a hard subject for a lot of us that those who are in God don't commit sin. And we all think about ourselves and we go, I know sometimes I do. That's the difference. You know it. You see it. You recognize it. And you can immediately act and go, God, forgive me for that. And you'll turn away and you don't do that sin anymore. But how many people have you seen who are in sin constantly? Constantly. Everything they do is self-centered, sinful nature. That's the difference. What John's saying is that when you're in God, you're going to recognize it. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your feelings. You're going to immediately regret it. You're going to repent of it. You're going to turn away from it because you know what it is. You're not seeking that out. As a Christian, I'm not seeking out sin. I'm not looking for the next fix. I'm not looking for the next hit, the next high, the next little fun bit. I should be looking to seek out God and do the things for God. I'm seeking righteousness. That's what John's saying is that your eyes are fixed on righteousness. That was the third point is that we are either children of God and seek righteousness or we are children of the devil and seek sin. There's no gray area. The Bible says we can't serve two masters. Choose one. And that's the other part is it's our choice. God gave us the options. He's letting us choose. And that's grace. That's the new command. We can choose to love God and love others, or we can choose not to. And we see that in the negative format in verse 10. It says the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed in this way. All who do not do what is right are not from God, nor are those who do not love their brothers and sisters. Sometimes we can hear the positive and the positive and the positive, we become numb to it, but when we see the negative of it, we're like, whoa, wait a second. So John flipped it on us right here, and he said, those who don't do what's right, those who don't do what's right are not from God. Nor are those who do not love their brothers and sisters. He's not just talking about your biological brothers and sisters. He's talking about the community of the church. The church family. How often do we see churches split up over rumors? Over gossip? Over fighting? Over silly, stupid stuff? because the devil has gotten into that church and he's creating friction. 
church is serving God is going to love one another and serve each other. And that's not just confined to the four walls that are around us here in this building. That's the entire church. How often do we fight over denominations? Pretty often. When we got down to the bare bones of it, do we believe Jesus is the Messiah? Yes. Do we believe he was born of the Virgin? Yes. Do we believe he lived for 33 and a half years? Yes. Do we believe that he lived a perfect life with no sin? Yes. Do we believe that he died on a cross for our sins? Christ we couldn't pay? Yes. Was he buried in that grave? Yes. Did he rise from that grave? Yes. Is he now seated next to God? Yes. Then why are we fighting? Why? Because we play instruments in this church, but not in that one? Because we sing in this one and not in that one? But we wear jeans over here or dress pants over there. Seems kind of silly and stupid. I've seen actual families broken up over stupid stuff like that. And we've seen churches broken up over stupid stuff like that. Do we sprinkle water or do we dunk them? Baptize them. In the blood, the fire, the water, baptize them. We were told to. Well, do we baptize babies or do we let them choose? Why not both? If we're so unsure, let's dunk the baby. And if they choose to later, let's do it again. Why not? Let's end the arguments. Let's serve God. That's what he's called us to do. Okay, so you want to do things a little different in that church? That's fine. I love you. Just preach Jesus. If you want to put on a light show and a concert every Sunday morning, whatever, I love you if you're preaching Jesus. Let's preach Jesus. Let's teach Jesus. Let's share Jesus. Let's love one another. Let's help each other, build each other up instead of tearing each other down. We all believe the same thing at the core of it. And if you don't, you deny Christ. Then I need you to just go on over together and sit down and have a seat. We're talking Jesus over here. I don't care what you are. Apostolic, Baptist, Catholic, Episcopalian, Methodist, Nazarene, Independent, non-denominational, preach Jesus. Preach Jesus. Because we're all children of God. Let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 3. What love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. The only way we're called children of God is because of Jesus Christ. 
Because of him, we have been drafted and grafted and adopted into the family of God. Because of him, there is a house with many rooms being built for us. And if it's taken this long to build, it is a mighty house indeed. Love one another. Love God above all things. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for the new command that you have given us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for pointing out that it's not as new as we would like to believe. From the very start, it's what you've asked us to do, is to love you so much so that we don't hear the other voices. And to show that love to each other It's all you've ever asked. Instead, we squander it in wars. We fight each other. We break apart. We go our own ways and we serve ourselves instead of serving you. Lord, I ask that you put a heart in each and every one of us that is inclined towards you so that we can serve you and love you and honor you and then do the same for each other and build each other up carry each other when the other is too weak to carry themselves. Lord, I ask that you put a mind of Jesus on us so that we can carry his word and his glory out among all our neighbors and our friends and our loved ones so that they can know you through Jesus. So that they can trust in Jesus. So that he can put that same seed of hope grace and mercy and love in them so that they can start a life all over on the serving you no matter the past no matter what we've done you came to save us Lord I know that some have fallen away from you and turned their back on you Lord and I pray that maybe their eyes can be opened realize that that was somebody that hurt them and not you. Lord, I ask that you give us the strength to keep going in the direction that you have called us to, to listen to your voice, that when you tell us to go to one spot, that we go there instead of where we want to go. That we listen to you instead of our own desires. That we turn our eyes away from the world and from the desires of the world, but to serve you and honor you and that all those who might be watching us might be trying to follow us follow suit in that and serve you Lord I ask that you touch our hearts and our minds to have you on our mind at all times throughout the day Lord and that we would share Jesus with everyone around us and it's in his blessed name that I pray that you say Thank you.